Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. As a child, my first true love was the world of sport, playing, watching, studying the history. I often dreamed of growing up and becoming a sportscaster. Today we are joined by a man who is doing just that. A journalism student at the University of Oregon, fresh off his internship in Roseburg on the local news channel, and host of his own sports podcast, our guest next, Cameron Derby. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Self-Esteem Boat Willie. Joining us today, Cameron Derby. Cam, welcome. Thanks for having me in here. This is a super cool little setup you got going on. It's getting there. This has it's been this is episode six. Pretty exciting of the Spent the Rent Podcast. It's more high tech than my than my setup is. It, well, that's not saying a lot. <laughs> no, no. It's cool that you can do this medium now. Relatively easy. Right. I, you know, I bought this house in June and having this room was a dream. So it's pretty exciting. So Cam, uh, I'm really excited to have you on. I want to talk to you about what you've been up to this summer because I know uh, if for the listeners, I'm a barber on campus and I've met Cam in the barber shop. Uh, Cam been coming. Are you are you in a senior now going into senior yeah, year? This is actually my last term in school. This upcoming term that starts in a in a week or so is going to be my last term. So then this summer you did the big internship with your... So you grew up in Medford, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And then you did the internship with uh, the Medford Sports News that you've been watching since you were a kid. Yeah, it was actually... It was a it was a great experience because the, the anchor there, Brian Morton, he's been the anchor since I was like a child. Like right. I remember there was a time when I was six years old on Halloween night. We ran into him with his kids and it was like... He's a local celebrity, you know, and right. now I just work next to him and it, it was just super cool. And not only did I get to do sports, but I got to do a lot of hard news reporting too, which was a really eye opening experience. I, every single time I was there, I was either out at a fire or I was at a game or whatever was happening that day. I went to several house fires, like whatever just popped up. They, they pretty much gave me free roam. They, they would say right. if, if an anchor or a reporter wants to go somewhere and you want to go, just tell them. And I'd go with him. Right. Yeah, it was, it was a really fun experience. It was really eye-opening to hard news also. Like, I'm a, a sports guy through and through. Right. But just seeing how reporters work in every... Especially with what's, like, kind of going on in the country right now. This divide between sure. the, the media and the people. When you work inside of a newsroom and see how genuine the people are that are working there. And how hard they're working and how... Right. And it's a job. I mean, it's just a job. Right. Like, it's not like you're there's not it's not some deep rooted conspiracy. Right. They're just people that go home to their wives and and husbands. Yeah. So since then, since 13 weeks ago, whenever I've gotten into a debate with people about if if news makes stuff up or whatever, I always ask people, when's the last time you were inside of a newsroom? Right. 
When's right. the last time you went in there? And they always say, I've never been inside of one. Exactly. So exactly. I mean, a, yeah. the amount of fact checks that you see that, that things have to go through in order to get on the air is just incredible. Well, it's, I mean, I had you on to talk about sports, so we won't get deep into politics, but the obviously it's like the unnamed sources like right. that is a there's so much ethics that goes into stuff that people just take they take for granted because right. i mean like the credibility of like the new york times come on i know <laughs> you for know, real you know what i mean like so um so the internship went really well it, when you were setting that up was it something that you, you know being from medford do you think that kind of helped get you the in um, I don't necessarily think so because they didn't even know that I was from there. Really? Um, LinkedIn is what right. made it happen. Um, I was posting a lot of my stuff from uh, KWVA and Quacksmack and different coverages on LinkedIn. And Ashley Hall, the news director there, reached out to me. And it was the kind of just perfect timing. Right. I, I met with her a couple times uh, over several months. Just every time I go to Medford, I'd, I'd have a sit down with her and talk about what we can do to make a professional relationship happen. And then uh, I needed to, I needed eight class credits over the summer. And so basically I decided in order to get eight class credits, I'm going to have to do 230 hours of internship. Right. Work. So I decided to drive to Medford every weekend and nice. drive back, back. And your parents still live there. To, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so I had a made... place to stay and it was just kind of a perfect setup. That's pretty awesome. I mean, is Cameron Derby a made-up name? Because that sounds like a news name. I wish that it was a made-up name because that's a question I have to It's to, so funny because it's like you're born for this, you know, because... Well, you know what's even funnier is that I grew up in a stock car racing family. Right. I, I raced cars when I was a kid, so people were always like, you guys made that name up so that you could race out here without people knowing Seriously, your real name. It's always like, 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 you know, like... Here's Jeff Laser tonight on the on the local news. That's it's pretty cool. I mean, it it's really proving to be your calling. So that's good. I've listened to and I encourage the listeners of this podcast to listen to your podcast, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Yeah. I've had that one confused Cam, too. Cam yeah. Derby has the floor. Uh, when I'm at work, uh, I, I serve at Red Robin in the meantime and uh, all the time. I say, "Hey guys, I'm Cam," and they go, "Do you dab?" Like, oh right. Well, you stop. do look like Cam Newton, so because they can't see that. <laughs> He's a bit bigger than me, a little bit. But uh, so as a kid, I mean, you grew up. We've talked in the barbershop about. It's funny we're both from Oregon, but both diehard Boston Celtics fans. When did that start for you? Um, that started when I was probably seven or eight, and that um, would have been. See, I got some. And I wasn't you. really a giant basketball fan as a kid. I, I kind of grew more into basketball when I was like in my early teenage years. Right. But the, the way that people always are all like, you, you like the Celtics cause they got good when you were a teenager. But my, basically what happened is I, you know, I got to the age where you pick a favorite team. Right. My favorite color was green. That's pretty much what happened with me. And then when I was growing up in the West coast, all my friends were Blazers fans and I always liked to stick out. So when I figured out my heritage being Irish, I was like, well, that's a, that's a given. Right, I mean, my name yeah. is Patrick. And you plus know? I just, I've, I've always loved the history of the Boston Celtics. Right. You know, if, if you listen to any player talk about going in, I mean, even LeBron, I, I'm pretty sure it was LeBron James that said it when he was talking about playing the Celtics in the, in the, in the playoffs garden. this year. Yeah. And his reaction to their, like, what's, you know, what's it like playing in the, in the garden? Is it nervous or is it, it nerve wracking? Is it scary? And he sat there for a second, then he went, just look up there. Right. I mean, he was talking about the banners. The, oh, that, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean, 17 championships, it's ridiculous. Right. And that's not just the, I mean, there's also just like 
the tons of players that have had their jerseys retired. And, right. you know, there's just so much history in there. Which you know that that has something to do with him going to the Lakers. You know, yeah. because it's just, it's it's lore now. Like, it's NBA lore. I mean, he, because if he can make a Lakers-Celtics final, then well, he's part of history. You could you could argue that the Celtics-Lakers rivalry saved the NBA there. For, sure. And now we're to a point where... A lot of people are upset with the NBA in terms of, you know, players flop and, and the ratings have kind of gone down because of the Warriors' dominance over the league. And maybe it's time again for a Lakers-Celtics rivalry to reboot the it's NBA. It's interesting, game. though, because if you think about the 60s and 70s and like in the, in the 80s, there was like a dynasty for both teams. So it was like this... I guess it's because the Lakers did have some wins in the 80s, but back in the 60s, it was the Celtics every time. So people complain now about the Warriors, but the Celtics won, what, 11 out of 13 championships? Right. There's been plenty of dynasties. I mean, it, we're right at about the time that dynasties start to end. Right. So I, I'm expecting the Warriors to make a oh, decline. Anyways. This free agent, next free agency, I mean, they can't afford Cousins to keep him. And I think Clay is going to walk. I think yeah. Clay will end up on the Lakers, honestly, because really? I don't see. I think Kawhi will probably end up with the Clippers. And my predictions are bold, but, you know, last year I, I, I said Rondo and LeBron would be on the Lakers. So what if what if Kawhi falls in love with Toronto, much like what Paul George and did? And that's very possible. And see, my, my thought on LeBron James is people are, are saying that he didn't go to a super team for the first time in a while, but I think that he still expected the super team to happen next year. I think he still expected at least right. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Right. Paul George fell in love with Oklahoma City. I mean, I don't know if... if and the, stayed. So now what if what if uh, Kawhi Leonard ends up falling in love with Toronto? I question Paul George. I think with Paul George, it's more about him wanting to show his loyalty to the team that wanted him. At this, like, he made the mistake the first time. Because leaving the Pacers is a stupid move. Because next to the Boston Celtics, they're their best-ran team in the East. Yeah. So I, I just think that he ran did that. by a Celtic. He, Right, right, right. <laughs> the Celtic in a lot of ways. But, I mean, Bill Russell's number one. But yeah. but Larry Bird obviously running the Pacers. But uh, he's an Indiana guy. He just wore the green for a few years. Really, it's funny how that works. Like, we as fans associate a player as being this team's representation. But he's from Indiana. Like, right. he doesn't even really... I'm sure he's cool with the Celtics. Well, I mean, we're sitting here talking about how, you know, what our childhood team was. And there are, there are plenty of players that... Their childhood team was their rival. Right. Jason Tatum grew up a, a diehard right. Laker, Kobe Bryant right. fan. So. I remember Luke Walton when he was drafted by the Lakers, and they're like, did you grow up rooting for the Lakers? He's like, no, my dad is Bill Walton. He played for the Celtics. Like, <laughs> yes. I hated the Lakers, you know? So, um, but, you know, back to what we were talking about with, with players leaving or staying in different places, I swear Paul George planned that to look a certain way. And now, you know, it's like he had the whole show and everything and they watched what LeBron did and it's just showing a loyalty. I mean, Oklahoma city is a pretty well-run organization as well. And it shows that they'll make big splashes to, to make, you know, mix up their roster and stuff. And I mean, they just picked up Schroeder, which is going to come in handy because Westbrook is now probably going to be hobbled at the beginning. And I've heard a couple of people say like, do you think that Paul George regrets it? And it's like, no man. Cause now he's going to score 25 points a game. Well, yeah. And I, once Westbrook goes healthy again, I think that Oklahoma City actually does give the best challenge to the Warriors in the West right now, especially since they got rid of Carmelo Anthony. Right. Because maybe it's not the most popular opinion ever, but I, I have never seen that guy do anything good for a team really other than score 30 points. I've never well, seen him propel a team It's the Dwight Howard anything. effect that it actually a great player. Because I think Dwight Howard is a great player. Right. And he makes a team worse. It's really weird. It's like, a, I think, you know, with... 
the Celtics and the way that they've built their team, it's like they people will clown on guys like Aaron Baines. But what he does is he gives 110%. And in the locker room, it's like why they had uh, Scalabrini, because they're just the presence. It loosens right. things up. And that's what Horford brings that is not going to show up in the box scores, is that the confidence and the composure right. that they show. Melo's the kind of guy that's thinking about the club, you right. know, that's wanting to do something else afterwards. Well, and... Melo just doesn't quite understand that his role is going to start to decline. He's not ready to accept that yet. I think that a lot of these teams, like the the Warriors and the Celtics, and any team that LeBron plays for, people understand what their role is. Right. You know, and Carmelo Anthony is. I'm a I'm a forty point a game scorer. Well, and, and then just stopping the offense. Right. You know, he gets the ball and just in the corner and. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the Rockets. You know, you say that you think the Thunder might have passed the Rockets as far as the team that can compete. You know, back to your saying about how the Warriors have dominated the league for the last few years. People make that argument if they're casual fans about how, oh, the only good team is the Warriors. And if it wasn't for Chris Paul's injury, we might be having a different discussion, which I think that argument helps the Warriors. Right. You know, because if you think of the Warriors as being the only good team, well, then they're not beating any competition. I mean... I don't. It'll be interesting to see how the West looks. Obviously, the Lakers' expectations are like a six, seven seed. Well, and it's funny because everybody goes after the Warriors. Like, and I mean, I'm a Celtics fan. I, I don't necessarily love the Warriors, and I want to see other teams, you know, be in the finals every year. But the Warriors didn't do anything like building a super team. They built that team from the draft. Sure, it's and not then like a- they went out. And I mean, Kevin Durant's the only one that right. really. DeMarcus Cousins isn't going to play until after the All-Star break. I mean, break, essentially, so like, the Celtics did the same exact thing where they, they got the trade, you know, the the Paul Pierce KG trade, and then that's what locked in the draft picks. They didn't actually have to lose all those years like the Warriors did. Right. But the Warriors took risks on guys, and then they had two major free agents. The Celtics have Hayward and Horford. That's uh-huh. why they're composed to, like, you know, that's going to be the matchup. Right. I Hayward coming back is going to change a lot of things. I, I think that... They've kind of, and I think it changed a lot last year because I think they rallied around that. Yeah. I, I really think oh, that they, seeing a guy that you expected to play with all year go down, it was such a gruesome injury because right. that was one of the more gruesome things I've ever seen in my life, watching that live on TV and and seeing his limb completely turned it over was the rough. other way. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I think of, when I think of those injuries, I think of Kevin Ware and I think of Paul George doing it in the with the Olympic team. I never I never really saw the Paul George one. It, Kevin Ware is the one for was it Louisville? Louisville, Lu- yeah, he's playing Duke. Where, oof, yeah, that one was probably the worst. And that one was crazy cuz I was watching that one live and no one really knew what was happening at the beginning. All you knew is that every player was on the ground holding their head and the crowd was like in a frenzy. Right. So it made it look like there was like a shooter in the in the arena. Yeah. Like the the commentators weren't really saying what was happening. Like when Hayward did it, they were like, Hayward broke his leg. Hayward broke his yeah. leg. Like right at the beginning. Of, you know, you didn't even see him down on the floor yet. But they were like, oh my gosh, he broke his leg. It felt so surreal. And I was so excited about the Celtics. And, you know, it's kind of controversial. And I joke about this at work. Like if you're Caucasian American, can you root for a Caucasian American because of that purpose <laughs> in basketball? So I was having this conversation with two kids. One was from China and one was an Asian American. He was born in America, lived here his whole life. And I asked them that jokingly, you know, cause we, we dish it up about race in the shop. It's great. Right. We have great rapport, you know, and he goes, you know what for, he's like, I root for Jeremy Lin because it, in basketball, I think the Caucasians are the minority. I'm going to allow it. <laughs> so, so he's like, you can. And he, and I was like, so 
joking, completely joking. I was like, so what if I was like, I like Peyton Manning because he's white. And he's like, no, you get out of here with that. Because <laughs> every quarterback is white. <laughs> right, right. Almost anyways. But, you know, with Gordon Hayward, I have I remember watching him when he looked like he was a 12-year-old boy in college. And he, God, he was so fun because it was such an underdog story. You know, I my, my route into loving um, Gordon Hayward is that Kyle Singler and EJ Singler, Kyle played for Duke. Was the outstanding player of the the, the right? Final they're from four. your hometown. The, yeah, they're from my hometown. EJ played for Oregon, and Kyle played for Duke, and ended up being the, the most outstanding. And most it's still outstanding in the NBA, I believe. Player of the yeah, he well, he just got released by Oklahoma City, so I, I mean, think he's, he, he's a free agent right now. He hasn't played a ton, but he's had a, an eight year career, or yeah. something like that. You know, I mean, that's so not small to see Kyle play against Gordon Hayward in the national championship game on TV. And I, and of course that year Butler was the Cinderella story. So right. I kind of had this crazy, like I kind of want Butler to win the national championship and just like make the whole nation go crazy. But at the same time, I was like the kid that went to the high school that I eventually went to is, right. is playing in this game. So, and it's kind of the same thing with Kevin Love because Kevin Love's from Portland. Right. And right. I, I, saw, same year I Kyle. watched Kyle and Kevin play each other in person in the right. high school state championship. Right. Do you think that led to some of your love of basketball? Yeah. Just watching oh, Kyle absolutely. Singler? Because he was a hometown kid. That... Yeah, and the whole city rallied around that team because the, the South Medford team that year was nationally ranked, like seventh or something like that. And they played against some big names. Um, And the whole city, I remember when, when the playoff time came around, my dad would send me to south medford to get in line like six hours before the game so that we could get a good spot for a high school basketball game in medford oregon the place was just crammed in there was like thousands of people there so the whole city and then when they went to the state championship at macarthur court here right there was like there was like eight thousand people there and like like six it was thousand a huge of them deal. were I mean, wearing they, South Medford stuff. Like it was just an overwhelming. And again, it's like it's a, it's such a controversial thing to say, but you got these two Caucasian-born American players. Which, if you go through the the ranks of the top tier players in the NBA, it's if the the Caucasian-born players are foreign players. You got Dirk Nowitzki from Germany, mm-hmm. Steve Nash from Canada, and it's like kind of uh, it's like an elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about it. And it's the same with the Boston Celtics. Now, fortunately, we grew up in a time where a guy like Michael Jordan wasn't looked at as being the best, the best black athlete. He's the best athlete. Period. Right. Now it's Serena Williams. Period. Is the best right. athlete across all. You know, I mean that talk needs to be made more often. Right. But different sport, whatever. But uh, it was such a huge change in our lifetime. You know that we haven't had to live through that before. But the Celtics, the media pushed that. You know, they pushed the narrative of them being this white team. I mean, if you watch that doc, that documentary about the Lakers and the Celtics, mm-hmm. and guys like Cedric Maxwell are like, what? Yeah, you know, but but, and he said that he there's certain places he couldn't go back to. But then with Kyle Singler and Kevin Love coming up in Oregon, it was I mean, they were the one and two players from sophomore year on. Right. You know, yeah, they were. I remember Kyle quit playing football because he was already gaining attention from the likes of of Duke and and UCLA and stuff. And Kevin went ended up at UCLA. But Kyle quit playing football because the the attention that he was getting from division one schools and basketball was just overwhelming. He was a great quarterback. Right. He played quarterback and he was really good at it because he's tall and lanky, you know, like he, he can just stand and look over the top of the line and just sling it around. But he quit like his Going into his junior year. Because basketball was obvious. Because I mean, basketball was just the overwhelming, like, that's what he was going to And that do. was when I started to really see, I mean, it had been going on for a long time, but you started to see, like, a tour that these players were going on after the season. Because, 
I mean, they were doing stuff with, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but like N1 type stuff where they're, they're traveling around. I think it was with Nike, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're traveling around and you saw EJ or uh, Kyle Singler and Kevin Love everywhere, Yeah, you know, and it was just wild. And it wasn't just Oregon based people across the country were, isn't it kind of crazy fitting because you're talking about like. The Celtics were were pushed as a white team, and right. Kyle Singler, the tall six foot nine white kid, ended up playing for Duke. Right, probably the only other team in the nation that's been right. like popular for being white rich kid status. Right, like, I grew up with Duke. I mean, I grew up during my my first true memories of basketball were probably nineteen eighty eight. So the the Blazers kind of struggling to beat the Pistons. They never did, but. And then the dream team in 92 was when it was the peak, in my opinion, of basketball. Because you had Duke with Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley. And that team was pitched. That's another documentary I highly recommend is I Hate Christian Leitner. I think we've talked about that because I watched every one of those games. And it made, ooh, I mean, I I hated him. But it made, I have such an admiration for him now, especially knowing what I know now about him. But yeah, Duke has always been pushed as that. I think they love it. I think they love to be I think they feed off of it, yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, the way that, I will always think of Christian Leitner when I think of Duke, but now you look at Kyrie Irving and you look at Jason Tatum and you look at, it's class. I mean, these guys, even though Kyrie Irving thinks the world is flat, he's a bright man. (laughs) Grayson Allen showed up in the wrong decade. Right. I'm not a, Grayson, Grayson Allen, Allen should a, have been playing with Duke in the nineties when he, they were yeah. just like, I mean, and JJ Reddick and they, and JJ Reddick has gotten himself in trouble talking about that. And I know it's controversial and people can tweet whatever complaints. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that people think about, you know, as far as the connection with the white players and stuff in basketball. And I mean, if it's in good fun, I don't know what the problem right. is, but it's sports talk. Right. You're supposed to flick each other crap. There's, That's, and there's something it's like in boxing, it's like, you know, for, um, African-American boxer they're like I ain't losing to no white guy you know what I mean and, <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's something that it I mean I think that Duke would use anything anything in sport you can use to your advantage now obviously right. when the when the game is over there's no hate that's not what it's about right. but anything you can do to kind of see coach K so I got to see coach K in person the, the other big thing so Kyle and Kevin love against each other that was a pivotal time for Oregon when they, they played each other two years consecutively in the state championship they played against each other and it was one of the funnest things I've ever watched in my life. And the, the, the set, their senior year, Kyle got the best of Kevin. I think Kyle scored 33. Kevin scored 30. South Medford won by three. Right. Something like that. It was a three or four. It was a very close game. But um, seeing Coach K at several years later, EJ with Oregon played Duke with in Portland. And they, they the banner advertisement was, was their body. One half of it was EJ's body, and one half of it was Kyle's body. Oh, wow. They play against each other, right? And they almost got technicals. They both they almost got double technicals at the beginning of the game because when they lined up against each other at the tip off, they were shoving elbows in each other's ribs and stuff wow. like like brothers do, you know. And the refs went over and warned them, and the whole crowd was was booing and stuff. And like it's a college basketball game, right? Everybody was wearing South Medford stuff, like it was it was super cool. Or but, high school, you mean high school game, right? No, like that was when, when, that was when, when they were in college. Yeah, yeah, they were in college. So, wow. and it was kind of historic for this state because Duke never plays here, right? And it was in a you know those couple of years where Duke was still really really dominant. So, Coach K walks out like three minutes before the game, three minutes before tip. Coach K walks out of the out of the locker room, and it didn't matter if you hated Duke, if you loved Duke. If you loved college basketball, if you were just there to see the hometown kids, 
when he, as soon as his face popped out from behind the curtain, the entire sold out arena standing ovation. Right, as a respect. While he walks out. Yeah, so that was one of those things where I really started to fall in love with sports because I felt the the history in the place. Right. And I would say that the, the only thing that I can really put next to that was when I went to the Oregon Florida State Rose Bowl. Right. When I walked into the Rose Bowl for the first time, there was there's no teams on the field or anything. I just saw the Rose Bowl logo and the giant stadium sure. around. And you could feel it in the air, like the just thinking of like all the things that have happened. In I mean, the I feel that way at Autzen, and it's got nothing on the Rose Bowl as far as that lore and history. You know, right. The few times that you're in there empty, it's just it's wild, and right. then the turf and everything. You know, I didn't grow up in a high school that had that fanfare, but I did go to a game. Uh, where Luke Jackson was playing for Cresswell and Blake Stepp, who ended up playing at Gonzaga. I was a senior at South and I had read the paper because I was a transfer student. So I didn't grow up with those kids and they were, you know, South had played Springfield and Blake Stepp scored 52 points. And my dad's like, you should probably go see this kid play. So I went and <laughs> I went and sat right, right behind Ernie Kent and Richie McKay, oh, Ernie, wow. which Richie McKay was the Beavers coach at the time. And I just kind of listened to him joke about, how neither of them were going to get Blake step and Blake step ended up getting drafted by the Timberwolves. I think he was the 27th pick in the draft, which is crazy. He never played in the NBA because I think he had some injuries. And then obviously Luke Jackson had some injuries. He was drafted by the Cavs the year after LeBron. And you know, Luke is now the former NCU coach, he, uh, Northwest right. Christian. I, I ran into him at a bar one time when I was younger and I was a little hammered and i was like and i was like i was like hey luke i won an mvp with you on on nba live because it was nba live oh, back then wow. and he's like how <laughs> he's like how and i I'm, love when players recognize their yeah because i did it place, and he's like yeah. how and i'm like it wasn't easy because his player wasn't highly rated you know right. i mean it was it was probably three or four years in and i think he was like the eighth guy on the team and it, i just i'll never forget that he's like how that's impressive that's really funny it was pretty good but yeah going to that game was unreal so i can't imagine the level of fanfare at the South Medford games. Cause I was here in Eugene and I remember that, that they were just going wild about those guys. Well, they went and played. Um, it really started that year to the Kyle Singler senior year. They went and played in the tournament of champions in Springfield, Missouri. It's an invitational and they played in the final against Oak, uh, Oak Hill Academy, which yeah. is like the high school basketball place of the nation, you know, I think Rondo's gone there. Right. Like, there are just so many players that came from there and South only lost by like seven points. And Kyle Singler went off for like 39 points in a game. And that was the moment people were like, this kid's going to play the NBA. And I like, think there are similarities to Larry Bird. People thought just because the look, because he's kind of a goofy looking blonde haired kid, you know? Right. And I mean, people wanted it in the, you know, I mean, they wanted it bad. They wanted, I mean, his NBA career hasn't been, Hasn't been crazy, but... Well, and I think that he he entered the NBA in a really strange time because he he should have left his junior year after they won the national championship and he got the most outstanding player of the tournament. He probably would have been a top 10 pick that year. But he stayed for his senior year and then he got he slipped to the second round. He got drafted by the Pistons because everybody kind of forgot. Like, Duke didn't do as well that year. They got knocked out in the first round. Right. And he didn't get to really like showcase his stardom because his stardom kind of comes in really big games. He he shows up in really big games, but he entered the draft the year that the strike happened or oh, was going to yeah. happen. So he decided to go to Europe instead of he got drafted by the Pistons and instead of playing for the Pistons that year he went to Europe, and he was there for two years and then he didn't come back until he just learned playing the game a completely different way and 
kind of just lost his name recognition, I think. Right. When he played for the Pistons, he started for a little bit, and then he kind of just dissolved away. But, I mean, whether his career was what it should have been in the NBA or not, he's always, like, that childhood hero for me. Sure. And that's the thing that people – I mean, you know, it's like Luke Ridenour had – a 13 year career, whatever it was after playing for the ducks. And he's always going to be one of my favorite players. He was traded like 11 times that one day. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and people look at that. It's like, Oh, I, that's one of the things that drives me crazy is when people will be like, the goose garbage because it's like, <laughs> dude, that dude is there's 15 people on an NBA roster in right. the world, you know, and it's a global game. Right. So if you can play a five plus year career, you're a stud. Right. Period. I know I, I've seen several players or several interviews with players where they're like, people really pass off. Like it happens to me a lot. You'll hear somebody go, that guy sucks. But you're like, but if you go play against him in the gym, any of every NBA player recognizes that right. every NBA player is one of the best in the world. Right. Just because they're not as good in, in comparison with Stephen Curry and, you know, right. doesn't mean that they're bad at basketball. <laughs> like they, well, there's different factors. And I'm sure reason, that there's you know? arguments people make that there's a player out there that may, that may be looked at as having a, an attitude that they don't want to work with. That's not getting a chance because right. they're a guy that's filling a roster that's not producing, you know, and I can see that argument, but I mean, there's also guys on the team that are player coaches all the time, right. you know, players that extend their careers like a Luke Ridnauer, where the reason that they're on the team is because they bring so much more to the table with their basketball IQ and in practice. People we don't forget see. how much like impact coaches have. Oh, absolutely. I, I use the the one that I use the most is the San Francisco 49ers. Bill Walsh, you mean? No, or Harbaugh. Oh, Jim, okay. Recent. Okay. Harbaugh came in and that team flipped in a year. Right. Bang. They were good. Right. And then... Kaepernick shows up and he was a beast in that system. Right. And you had that West Coast Seahawks and 49ers rivalry going on at the same time that Russell Wilson came into the league and Richard Sherman and those guys were screaming at each other. And then once Harbaugh lost that locker room for just a second and they right. got rid of him, 49ers right back to trash. Just whoop. Oh, yeah. Gone. And, the, and like, the NFL does that fast. Right. There's a lot of parody. I mean, it's just so there's so much impact. Yeah, it, it makes a huge difference. And then there's there's in professional sports, there's so much of a the relationship, obviously, with Harbaugh, with the ownership was pretty public, you know, that. But, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. So we've kind of uh, we came here to talk about you, Cam. We're talking about basketball. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's what happens in sports talk. What? So what is the best? I mean, obviously, the opportunities now when you get to cover the Oregon Ducks, you get to be at the pressers and with your press passes and stuff. That's got to be an unreal feeling. That's like even I've been doing it for three years now, doing Oregon football, and every time I go in there, I still feel like a kid that's going into Austin Stadium. Right. It's like, I don't know, I get to tell people all the time, like, I'm on the sideline at the end of the game. Like, I stand on the sideline for the last six minutes of the game, and people are always like, what? That's crazy. And I'm like, I know, because I stand there and take video of it every time I'm down there. I've experienced it over 20 times now. And I still like got my phone out of like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Yeah. It's I'm, I can't imagine. I mean, I've coached a kid sports game in Austin stadium where I was on the sidelines and that was pretty special. And yeah. I was just an assistant coach that all I would do is divvy up playing time. You know, I right. didn't, I didn't, but it was just really special for a group of fourth and fifth grade Churchill kids. Well, I was gonna, this term I was, I was dead set on, I actually just rejoined KWVA, the, it's the on-campus radio station there. It's run by all student volunteers. It's super incredible. Um, the, the amount of work that kids put in to make a station sound the way it does. And 
uh, at least the sports department is. Right. Is, is I have to admit, I, I have not. I've heard it. It's been like how many years now? Four that they've been doing the sports. Um, no, they've they've done sports for longer than that. It's just that they they couldn't broadcast live football and live basketball until the last four years because the they couldn't afford the rights and the university wouldn't give them the permission to. Right? Isn't that strange? It's crazy that the university won't give its own campus radio station where in the school the the journalism department is one of the biggest departments in the school and they won't give. The student journalists an opportunity to practice. Oh, it's because it's all monetary, <laughs> so they have to wild. pay for their. Own. That's crazy. We I could mean, be the, here for days. They they wanted um, the sports department to pay. Essentially, I remember this when I was when I was like a freshman. They were having this debate, and finally, I think that I, I don't know what the final details are. Don't quote me on any of the final sure, details sure. on contracts or anything like that. I just know we ended up with permission to do it, which was like the biggest blessing in the world. But at the beginning, when I was there. They wanted us to pay the same amount of money that ESPN was going to pay for the rights. And we, Which is we ridiculous. Were, it's we ridiculous. were like, we're eating ramen, dude. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, and it's a non-profit. I mean, I've done radio interviews on KDBVA for my music. And uh, there used to be a really cool local show called The Baker's Ball. I mean, it's and they do a lot of different stuff. But the host, Tony, would have us on. And he beforehand, he would grill us and be like, do not say, come to our show. Like, you can say there's a show at, because it's for nonprofit purposes. And so right. I understand. It's like, so that's out of control. I, I wasn't aware of that, that the the reason they couldn't do it was that. But when they, I heard that they were doing sports, I haven't. I haven't really listened to it. Um, podcasts have kind of taken over as far as my right. you know radio time. Nobody's using the airwaves. Well, if you're looking for anything that's going to catch you up on, or, like University of Oregon sports, right? Listen to Quack Smack. It's on at six o'clock every night on eighty-eight point one FM, or yeah, eighty-eight point one FM, and you can live stream it from their website too. See, that's an and, awesome thing to know the, the live stream. Maybe yeah. we can post a link to that to yeah, their website. So it's um, they talk. It's a one-hour show every night, and they talk about Oregon football, volleyball, soccer, softball, right. baseball, they, and it's probably real that insider. Does. Yeah, yeah, and every single person that's on the show is covers sports events too so they're not people that are just like speaking out of their butt you know like right. they're at the games all the time right. and they 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 pay attention every day to what's going so on do so do you what do you are you like an anchor or you just kind of fill in and i and... usually am an analyst we have show we have hosts and analysts um it kind of depends on the week but i i've hosted the show several times but most of the time i'm an analyst i focus more of my attention on reporting games nice covering games i remember the the year that um the year that Oregon went to the national championship game in basketball, or the the game before, I should say, the Final Four, uh, that year I covered like sixteen of the eighteen home games there at uh, Matthew Knight Arena. I got to cover the game that Dylan Brooks hit the the buzzer beater against UCLA. Right. So that was one of the coolest experiences of my life. What's funny about that is I I just felt that was coming. Like with five minutes left in the game, you know how you start to feel in a game oh, yeah. like. Something weird is or something crazy is going to happen right now. It just started to have that feeling in the air. And I can't remember who was at the free throw line because I was taking my phone out to get the video camera of ready the, for the, the shot. buzzer beater, yeah. And I was like, "There, this is going to be a buzzer beater. I said with five minutes left in the game, there's going to be a buzzer beater. I don't know who's going to do it, what team it's going to be, but a buzzer beater is going right. to end this game. And he's shooting free throws. And I'm like, get your cameras ready. And all the media members are like, no, he's a 90% free throw shooter. He's going to knock them both down. And he made the first one, and then he missed the second one, and I was the only one that had my phone out. So Dylan Brooks comes running down the court, and everybody's scrambling to get their phones out, and right. I already had it set up. He hits the shot. 
And of course, the, the students are rushing the court before the game's over. And right, you know, you've got the commentators. So like Dana Altman's on, the, like is in the middle of the O, screaming at the students to get back into stands because right. he doesn't want a technical not, foul. Right, you know, right, he's right. like, but I couldn't blame the students at that moment because the buzzer went off. Right, they reviewed it and decided there was like point three left in the game, but the buzzer went off. He shot it with like. 1.2 left when it left his hands and it went in with like right that pandemonium and there's nothing that can match that right you know it, yeah i've never been in a game that they rushed and the court bill walton's down there like this is ridiculous he's this like should be. he was so mad about bill it i was like, like the beautiful mountain majestic of the <laughs> oregon willamette valley speaking of bill walton i'm gonna uh end the show today with a track that i made about <laughs> bill walton on the play-by-play and how it makes you want to change the channel Right. So, done, so uh, the guy that makes me channel most is Chris Collinsworth. Oh, if I we're going to talk the, about commentators, oh, and, yeah. and, I, and I usually, I rarely talk about commentators in any negative light, but sometimes Chris Collinsworth, I turn the, the volume all the way down and I just practice commentating myself. <laughs> I used to do that actually a lot. Uh, that's hilarious. I Here's a guy that... Yeah. I know, like he's it just it's it's really obvious stuff all the time. Here's a guy that you know the the offensive line is a really interesting thing. You got if going you throw on. the ball got, a lot, you're going to get a lot you know, of passing the, yards. The offensive line generally is going to have you know five to six guys on the line. You'll have right. a center, two tackles, two guards, and maybe you'll have a tight end. And then Al Michaels is like, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil Sims is is another one I can't stand. But so I wanted to wrap this up, but yeah, um, I, I wanted to play this song and it, I think it's fitting that we got on the topic of Bill Walton. Uh, the song is get the mat a jump in that I wrote and it didn't age well because, <laughs> because I made this in 2017 and there's a line about Willie Taggart and he's dead to me now. Yeah. So, he's dead to everybody so, in this community. I mean, this last, you know, uh, last couple weeks have been pretty good for duck fans depending on how you feel like about chip kelly you know because i've always been a chip fan even after he's left but he's had a pretty rough go at ucla and willie taggart has just looked he, at florida state looks terrible so i can i can kind of give chip a pass on the rough go because he played like the number six team sure and, and he also everybody's talking about how he lost the first game he lost the first game as the Oregon coach too to boise state oh, yeah. when the Garrett blunt situation happened and then it turned into an amazing season. Right. They ended up in the Rose Bowl. So, but Willie Taggart is having a rough time. They're already making like I, Facebook pages and stuff, Twitter page. pages, and like a calling for Willie Taggart's head. There are like people saying that uh, Florida State can still save the season if they get rid of Willie Taggart right now. They can still turn it around. And, and I'm like, this is the fastest I've ever seen people call for a coach's head. Like three weeks into the season. That's absolutely incredible. I mean, like, usually, you know, coaches start out with, you know, not not as great as people thought they were going to because they still have to take time to implement their systems or whatever. But I, I, I hear people because you look at the divide with what happened with Oregon last year to what's happening in Florida State now, right? Because Willie Taggart came in and put the discipline back into the team in a community that was really disappointed in how the, the players were acting off the field and how they were acting spoiled with the, the new uniforms and, right. and stuff and Nike and all that stuff. And now you hear Willie Taggart's first like point of business was to get the team on the same page and get them hanging out with each other again. 
and that has not happened. They're right. still all individuals, right. Right. and everybody's like, Willie Taggart is not doing anything that he said that he was going to do. He's in over. Well, that's what he's his track record. It looks like. <clears throat> I mean, he's he's been. How many jobs did he have in a calendar year? He bounces around. It was like fast. four jobs in a calendar year, three jobs. He's definitely promoted himself brilliantly because right. he's built up to the to these dream jobs. But right. the way that he left Oregon, I, I, there's just no way that anybody on this side of you know the country is ever going to like him no. again. And I'm hoping that we use that as something to bring the people together. And I think that it's cool that the athletic department listened to the players, that the players were like, we want crystal ball. So yeah. we're going to find out next week against Stanford. We got game day coming, which is exciting. Are you working? Yeah, that? they announced yesterday. Um, I will find out today if I'm going to cover the Oregon Stanford game. Most right. likely I will be at game day sure. either way. I might try to get out there. Uh, I'll let you know if I'm going to go. Maybe because I mean out. like that's something that, you know, I grew up watching as a right. kid, wake up on Saturday morning for college football. Oh, we and got watch spoiled game day. for a while where we had game day. They had it like four years in a row. A year, yeah. yeah. At least, you know, one or two times a year. And it's, a big deal uh so i mean that's an opportunity for you to sleep and it's your... it's lee corso's favorite location right and i you know my my fantasy football team is called herb kirk street so oh, there you go <laughs> so, uh you know that's a chance for you to slip your business card i've heard working for espn is not the greatest you don't have to comment on that because it may be your future plans but... well i i think that espn is in a rough time i personally wouldn't be surprised if espn dissolves in the next 20 oh. years well i feel that way about the nfl so so i mean as far as that's a bold statement but i i think to the capacity that it's at bleacher report and stuff like that and independent media has really taken over you well, know. and the way that you've seen ESPN get rid of employees in the last right. three, four years, it just kind of feels like they're not nearly as prominent well, as they were before. There, there used to be a time when it was just ESPN. Like ESPN was who you watched. And right, now right. there are so many different sports networks, right? Like you used to catch a game on CBS and now there's a CBS sports network. Right. There's the NBC sports network and there's Fox sports and PAC 12 network, right. SEC network. And there are so many different places you can get your, your sports. Well, from. the politics has hurt ESPN as much <laughs> as, as, as people like you and I have grown up watching the, the human interest stories and stuff. And we, I like it, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's, you know, when they talk about overcoming racial barriers and things right. like that, I think it's really profound, but to a lot of people, those kind of stories are a turn off. Right. And the flag debate is just out of control as it's far as out of control, you know, because I mean, I've, it's really interesting. Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to say it's, it's really interesting living in the town that Nike was developed oh, in yeah. while this is happening. Yeah. Right. Because there, there are people that are like, here that are like i support the flag and i support the veterans which that's not what the protest is about but they're like i i support the veterans and i can't do nike anymore but i'm like you really gonna turn did your you, back on a company yeah. that sustained this entire yeah, yeah. community did for... you see that facebook post and i was joking and i kind of cautiously worded it because i didn't want to offend i think people have a right to feel how they feel obviously right. i mean but i was like it's pretty hard to be an oregon duck like, fan and, and boycott <laughs> nike yeah for real know? but because uh, you can't wear any of the, uh your organ just gear. rip off the corner you know or whatever <laughs> i mean it's out of control like burning their nikes and stuff and i'm sure that here in town people are like cool like, i saw a video though about that the burning of the nikes that was actually really funny to me that i didn't think about until i saw this guy and he says like you know what you're burning the nikes that you bought at ross for 20 bucks I ain't seen a person burn real Nikes yet. I ain't seen a person right. burn the nobody's Jordans CJs. or yeah, yeah nobody's yeah. burning Nikes that they spent eighty bucks right. on. You're burning the stuff that Nike just puts out. Right. Like it Nike doesn't good, care I mean, about those. The thing I liked the most about the campaign was how much it gives Serena Williams her her undue respect. And then it's funny because mm -hmm. now she's getting a bunch of flack. But. What I like about it is that Nike is actually 
taking their own advice, right? The the whole campaign is believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. That's a at good least point. in terms of, of Colin really Kaepernick, because they knew that pandemonium was going to strike when they put that campaign right. out. They've known that for a long time, and it's what they believe in, and they did it anyways. Right. They That's expected, a really good point. You know, I haven't heard that. So we do need to wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to end this. I was questioning if I should use the song for it. Now I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's a get, get them out of jumping. And just as the listener, just ignore the line about trust lies in Taggart because <laughs> he's a, he's a slime ball. Cam, this has been awesome. Cameron Derby. Uh, you remember that name people, because he's going to be popping up in your household on your TV screen. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'd I mean, love to come back sometime. It's well, fun. I mean, I would like to do hopefully once every quarter, basically do a sports show of some sort yeah. and we're going to mix it up. And so we'll have, Hopefully we're talking about national championships next time you're coming on, but that's a bold statement. I think, I think this year the ducks goal should be to compete for the PAC 12. Well, if the things I, I, I think that things are actually lining up because if Oregon knocks off Stanford, Washington just struggled against Utah. If Washington drops one more, right. Oregon's lined up to win the PAC 12. Well, let's not forget that we'll have a really, uh, in a balance of if for the basketball team, a balance of youth, and then also a senior point guard right. in Peyton Pritchard. And and Dana Altman will magically turn any team that seems like it's not going to be right. as good into a good team. I don't know a lot about Louis Lewis or Louis King. Louis King. And I, uh, yeah. He, I don't know a lot about him. Obviously, Bull Bull is getting a lot of attention. But from what I've been reading, he's a top 10 predicted pick. So it should be a really fun year. We're pretty blessed. Oregon basketball is on the map. And that's kind of what this song talks about is how... We had a couple rough years, and now we're a basketball school. I, I think you're, I think it reflects the spoiled fan base. Right, right. So, <laughs> and there's a little little tidbit about "Sup with Your Girl" in there. So, I'm gonna end it with uh, my track "Self Esteem" by Willie with uh, "Get em, Get Them Out of Jumping." All right. Time to get them out of jumping. Time to get them out of jumping. Go, go, go. Time to get them out of jumping. Time to get them out of jumping. Time to get them out of jumping. Go, go, go.
I know all of you feel this The bandwagon has lost an axle Come spring will show love in the zoo castle Autumn will be buzzing with a new coach in the forefront Freeman will be running hopefully so that we don't punt a rebuild takes time only in the pro game I trust Lyson and Taggart, it's not like he's a no-name so welcome Willie to the West Coast Until the first hip, we're a basketball school now, so don't trip. Saturdays are free until the first hip. We're a basketball school now, so don't trip. Bill Walton on the play by players, why you buy your ticket? It's nonsense, will make it. You want to click it. Channel surfing, wishing you were popping in the pit. Hop on the MX and get after it. Channel surfing, wishing you were popping in the pit. Hop on the MX and get after it. Time to get them out of jumping, time to get them out of jumping, time to get them out of jumping. Time to get the matter jumping, time to get the matter jumping, time to get the matter jumping. Go, Ducks!